Hi, hello, and welcome to another episode from, of course, China. My name is Fernando, and this is Ziv. And today we have a very special guest, Ludovic. Uh, Ziv, why don't you tell us something about Ludo? Ludo, Ludovic uh, Castulo. Castellan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, Ludo, you were born in Hong Kong. No, sorry, you were not born in Hong Kong, but you moved to Hong Kong in a very young age, two months mm. old, with your parents, and you grew up uh, in Hong Kong. And then you moved uh, to Switzerland for a very famous uh, hospitality school in yep. Luzon, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And then after that, you travel in China, and uh, then you started your career in hotels, uh, in Switzerland, in Hong Kong, mm. and uh, Dubai, and the Maldives. Very right, interesting right, career. Right. Yeah. Thank and you for being here. And now you are working in a hotel here in Dongguan in China. Okay. Right. Well, welcome to the show, Ludo. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. <laughs> okay. So we we are going to start talking. Um, I'm pretty interested, and I'm sure some of our viewers and listeners are interested in what is it like to grow up in a in Hong Kong before the handover, like in the 90s. So I know you moved there when you were very very young. But what do you remember about growing up? What do you remember about going to school in Hong Kong at that time? Society in Hong Kong at that time? What do you tell us some about these things? So just to to put things in perspective, huh? so my family got there in 1987. So the handover happened in 1997. So that was 10 years. So I was kind of young. So I do remember a couple of things, but you know, well. Uh, so we, I was actually in the French International School over there, so <clears throat> uh, with a bunch of Frenchies, I guess. Also. <laughs> so, you know, not in deep down inside the Hong Kongese culture, so mm -hmm. to say a little bit of the, the exposure. So I do remember, of a, the, the thing is, we were uh, not that many expats at that time also. I, I definitely have this feeling, yeah? uh, and as an expat, Maybe especially the French community. We were really living as a community and uh, in between Frenchies, you know, like a cluster yeah, of people. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, all yeah. knew each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very you much. knew a all small their parents. Village in the town, you know, in, Hong, fun, in, in the Hong Kong side of, of Hong Kong. Hong Kong side. Right. Yeah, yeah. At that time, everyone was basically living on the Hong Kong side. You know? So you were, you were, you got there when you're two months old. Uh, did you have any uh, during these ten years before the handover? Did you have any uh, local friends, Hong Kongese? Uh, a couple, a couple, actually. A couple. Those, uh, a couple of uh, local friends who were at the French International School. Uh, so uh, those couple of friends uh, who were Hong Kong by birth and passport and everything. So they and they they were Hong Kong Hong Kongers, Hong Kongese, Hong, Hong Kong yeah. people. Uh, but they. Um, at, at some point, because they were staying in the French International School, studying with us and, you know, spending most of the, their time with us, they, they did pick up a lot of the French culture right. as well. So, as I told earlier also, we, I went to some, I had some, com, some, some extracurricular activities, as in like judo, like swimming, this right. and that, rugby, whatever. And that I got to meet uh, more local. like locals, Hong Kong people. But again, you know, it was a very expat kind of environment, you know. Right, in Hong Kong back so, then. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess, you know, it's uh, at that time, you know, I was really this expat kid with 
like an expert. But like we spoke, already. we spoke before in the preparation. I, mm. I guess uh, you so so. But you're saying you didn't really have many local friends. But I guess you also didn't have many uh, uh, other nationalities kind of friends. It yep. was really French. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Very much, very much, very much. Like uh, like you say, like a cluster. So did mm. you? Um, the school you went to the French uh, international school, mm. right? Yeah. And the whole school studied in French. In French? No. So there was uh, the French stream and the English stream. So the basically the school was divided in two. In between those who would actually have their classes in French and those who would have these classes, their classes in English. So basically, uh, those who would have their classes in French were. Mostly French or from a French-speaking country, uh, like right. Belgium, Swiss, maybe French-Canadian or something. But there were also some locals or some other nationalities whom the parents, you know, maybe were would speak French a bit and decided, you know, the best way for their kid to actually learn like another language would actually to set them up in a in a in a French school, like you found. That was actually my parents' decision. They they figured, okay, my kids can learn English anytime. It's just very easy. So let's put them in a French school so they could right. have an advantage in life. And right when I when I was in the middle school, we could choose the uh, third language to study for three years, and the choice was uh, French or Arabic. Mm. I chose Arabic. Good for French is a horrible language, actually. No, but, no, no. But how come? How come? Uh, uh, okay, it's the French international school. Why do they have uh, English stream? Uh, because just to, <laughs> to, expats, to pay the bills, I guess you know. Mm. Just so to more, more people. people cater to expats, yeah. right? Yeah. And they teach them a little French. So so the, the Hong Kong. I mean, for people that don't know, I mean, okay, Hong Kong has a, a, a lot of expats. Mm. Back then, maybe more than now. I'm, I'm no, not sure. No, no, then so. way less than now. Less yeah, than now, yeah, but well, it was course. even though it was British. Yeah. Right. And uh, so it's French, I guess, French international school is not the only uh, kind of uh, specific kind of international no, school. No, no, there was plenty. <laughs> there were, yeah. were also German, German Swiss. Yeah. There was a German Swiss. There was Deutsche what? Schule. French, the sure, German. There was, you know, a Japanese American, school. I'm sure, sure Japanese. there was a Korean school, Korean. you know. And then there was, I don't think there was like a British school, an American school, because that's English speaking, so they would actually, you no, know. But they would probably have some British mm. schools and some American schools, because if they wanted the kids to go to Maybe. university in the States, they would right. go with SAT. That's the same thing. Um, your preparation that you did in the French school prepared you for the for the back for the baccalaureate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't take Chinese examinations or anything like that. Right. So I'll, I'll just hit the spot right away. I mean, so you grew up in Hong Kong, but mm. uh, and you studied in a French school, and you do not speak Cantonese. Uh, <laughs> uh, you don't speak Cantonese. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the the, 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 you, you the feel kind of disappointment, you know, okay. about living in Hong Kong for so long not to be able to speak Cantonese. Although I do understand a little bit. That's usually how I say. You it. do understand. It's probably better, better, right? A little bit. Bit, probably know. better. You know what they're saying about you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, Sam. He, he probably knows more. I, I would assume, right? No, right. I don't know. Cantonese? You can just no. joke in Cantonese, I guess. I only joke some. Cantonese. Okay, yeah. it's yeah. the same thing every just time. Let's <laughs> play the clown. You know, say a few words. Right, right. No, no, so you I'm do sure feel he speaks better than me. You do feel a bit sorry about it. Is it, is it, is it weird when you say to people, like, "I grew up in Hong Kong," and no. it's like they Actually, expect you to speak I Cantonese? The weird thing is, I feel weird about this. Hong Kong people don't. Okay. You know, when I say this to Hong Kong people, they're like, yeah, well, actually, at the end in Hong Kong, you can speak English. So they're right. like, yeah, whenever That's I say this to Hong Kong people, they're like, well, yeah, well, makes sense. But I do feel weird about this, you know. And the way I put it also is when I say this to, to people who are not from Hong Kong, they feel weird also about this, you know. Mm -hmm. And ah, when I, I say can't. this to Hong Kong, to, to French people, you know, they're like, 
dude, that's kind of disrespectful, you know? You're, you've been living there <laughs> for so long, yes. you don't even speak the local language, you know? That's Like bad, what we know? said, Fernando, right? We've been here almost, you know, 20 years and uh, and we don't really speak fluent Mandarin. It's the biggest regret and the biggest shame. I mean, mm. when you said, how long you been here? 20 years. Oh, so your Mandarin must be so good. I'm like, <laughs> um, no, buddy. Mm, sorry. Um, sorry yeah. to disappoint you there. Right. I always excuse myself with the fact that people come to me to learn English because mm. that's my job. So cool. I don't have that many opportunities because everybody tries to communicate in English. So, so you speak you speak uh, uh, English, uh, Spanish, Spanish, French, and some Mandarin. Some Mandarin and just funny Cantonese. A funny Cantonese. <laughs> no, I understand a lot of Italian, a lot of Portuguese because it's kind of wow. like a mix of Italian. Oh, sorry, French and Spanish. So yeah. ah, okay. All right. So how about you, Ziv? Uh, how's your Mandarin? How's your Cantonese? Fine, thank you. Mama and you? Ho -ho. <laughs> Mama ho -ho. I think you know. It, I know how it is. It's like. Uh, you tell people, no, I don't really speak Mandarin, but then they come and, and you're in a taxi with them and you speak some and they think, you speak Mandarin. No, mm. I don't. You don't get it. Yeah. I, I speak I speak good. It's very limited. Yes. it's In, in this situation, yes, I'm fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's but situational. In another 99 speaking. situations, right, I'm right, not. Right, right, yeah. right, right. You right. take right. me out of the, the confines of this particular situation in this shop where I'm buying these shoes and I'm screwed. But it <laughs> might be okay, good enough to write Chinese on your LinkedIn account. <laughs> More than nice. the others. Yes. <laughs> so so uh, so so okay. We go back to you, 87 to 97. You say mm. right. So yeah. I, and then the the handover. Yeah. Happened. How was yeah. that experience? So I remember actually at that time it was a big thing actually. The I handover from, my parents from getting all yeah excited from, from British it, so? ruling to going back to, to Chinese. Chinese. Mm. Yes. Mm. Yeah. 1987. So, so yeah, it was, it was a international. Wise history books will talk about this, you know. Sure. The handover, it's a, it's a big date actually. So my parents, they 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 booked some sort of, uh, of uh, some some bureau, some uh, some flat, you know, where they could have a nice view over the harbor to see actually see, the, the queen the was there, right? The, uh, the queen was not there. You're crazy? No, one. no, was she? I don't <laughs> Where remember. was she? I don't think so. I just remember this guy with the kilt who actually went off, and you know, we saw. Uh, his I ass think or Quire, something, maybe you know? I remember it wrong. <laughs> I remember that was a big event. I remember maybe watching the queen something. was there. Could be actually I because think she again, was. again, that was uh, uh, the handover British. And the queen, you know, but could be, or the prime minister for sure. At least the prime minister. Sure. That I'm we will check that. We will we'll check. Yes, <laughs> oh, Google is your friend. Okay. <laughs> but so the the thing is, we booked actually this whole thing to have to look at this massive firework. Mm. And the next day, it was like a big thing on the news. Also, looking at the whole ceremony, you know, it's kind of uh, getting down the the flags, getting up the 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 Chinese flag, you know. And uh, yeah, it was it was it was history in the moment. What was the, the the community feeling? I mean, what we've experienced last year, mm. we see all this this animosity, right. all this this yeah. But at that time, were people sad? The, the, the local people were they sad? Were they unhappy? Were they worried? Were they? What was their the temperature? Well, people didn't know what to expect. You know? mm -hmm. People didn't know what to expect. You know, as I said, uh, speaking, I. Again, my, my perspective is more on the foreigner, expat kind of side. And also you, but you on the ground. Were 10 also. But mm. you are on the ground. Mm. So what I can say is, you know, as, I, as, I, as we said earlier, is for instance, my parents, they were considering to buy a flat over there before the, the handover, and they just didn't do it because they didn't know what would happen. When the, you know, would all the foreigners get expelled within one year? Well, could it be, you know? Mm -hmm. we, we had no so. idea, you know? So... I don't know, people were just waiting and seeing, you know, right. and uh, now it happened and, you know. Did it change? Looking back, now you, you're older, you were 10 back then, but did it change Hong Kong, you think? 
I don't see much change. Seriously, I don't see much change. There's been uh, people speak a little bit more Mandarin now in the streets, right? Right. Uh, but in the everyday life, I did not see anything. You know. Then again, I I again I have like this expat kind of view. So I mean, my when I, even when I go back to Hong Kong, I'm I'm still not down, not deep down inside the Hong Kong culture. I always have like a sideway look or something. You know. But uh, then you hear also about these laws which they come through, trying to suppress the, right. the liberty of speech and everything. But at the end, well, as I feel, it does not change much of okay. Hong Kong. And uh, I don't know if ever we want to go in this subject, but at the end, for me, it's China and China. China is Hong right. Kong, and that's it. You know, at the by law, now it's China. At the time when you were when you were young and and it was still British, mm. uh, did you and your family ever venture into the mainland? Did you ever come for holiday yeah, yeah, to yeah. the chain? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You remember you remember traveling here? Yeah, to yeah, the mainland? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think yeah, yeah. We went like to Hainan. We went to Hainan like uh, this and that. Well, yeah, and uh, it was maybe the visa was a little bit more difficult to get, you know, but and but you were and you were restricted in the destinations you could go to. Mm -hmm. And where you stay, right? Like, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Like it's hotels. like foreigners' hotels only. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Yeah, but nothing bad you found. Only Hainan? I think we went like here and there also, but I don't remember okay. again. Quite young, you know. But okay. Hainan for sure uh, could be, yeah. Well, okay, Shenzhen Jin. definitely, also. Sure, of course. Shenzhen definitely, as in you know, going there. My mother loves shopping, so at that time Shenzhen she, yeah, crazy, you know. <laughs> right, right. I got lost once in the Shenzhen and Hong Kong kind of, you know, in, thing, you know, the border, the border, you know. Yeah. And not she, she was to, so crazy, you not know. Not difficult to find. So You're pretty busy, tall, blue-eyed, and white. So like yeah, I was, I was like seven <laughs> years old, so I was like short and everything. Yeah. yeah anyone saw a French guy? <laughs> A little like one, one, a little way low. <laughs> yeah. So, so you, uh, so the handover happened, and and you kept you studied in that French international school mm. uh, all the way to graduation. All yeah. true, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. you mentioned that all all your family, you you have your four. Yeah. Right. So my older brother, younger brother, and sister, all of the four of us did the whole schooling system, like French baccalaureate. Can I ask you uh, a personal question? Please. Um, did you have any kind of like romantic relationships uh, during high school. Do you have like a girlfriend? Was it a Hong Kongese girl? Did you have a girlfriend during yeah, high school? Yeah, 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 a French, French girl. French, French girlfriend. Girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no Hong Kongese girl. No, no, no. Oh, no, no. Ever? Uh, later I did, later okay. I did. When I worked <laughs> in Hong Kong, I eventually I did Since, since you're asking this, I'd ask you, I mean, you live now in the mainland, mm. you travel in the mainland, you've been mm. for a long time. And uh, um, any difference between uh, Chinese girls from the mainland to those from Hong Kong? Oh, of course. In what sense? The, the, the culture is completely different, you know. The perspective on many things is very different, you know. And also now, you know, if I don't mean to say, but now it's 10 years later. So also now the, the mentally changed now so fast, you know. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if I don't... But there is a difference. Ah, there is definitely a difference. But you know? it used to be but that... But it's getting that smaller, maybe. That's what you mean? The gap is being reduced. I, I mean, I mean, culturally-wise, you know, it's like a French... It's there's still a gap in culture, you know, right. and they, they will remain a gap in culture for a while, you know. For, I mean, yeah. mm -hmm. culture is something which cannot disappear right away, you know. And right. speaking of Hong Kong, Hong Kong, they have, Hong Kong, they have like a very strong culture at the end, you know. They have all this cinema, all this K-pop, you know, yeah. all this thing, which is really right. a Hong Kong thing, and they're very proud of, you know. Right. And uh, yeah, they, they have all of this thing they can rest their culture on, you know, that... 
Enfin, they, they, won't, they won't become like real Chinese, like as in mainland Chinese for a while, but you know, at the end, yeah. Hong Kong is Chinese. And, and what about the expats? The difference between expats in, in the mainland to expats in Hong Kong? Uh, very obviously, you know, expats in uh, in in China, they they are way they they don't brag as much as uh, expats in in Hong Kong. In, uh, in, uh, in Hong Kong. I What don't do know they if brag you notice, about? But um, people are very proud to be expat in Hong Kong, as in they're they're living the life, like being very loud expats, you know, like very jet setter. <laughs> yeah, very jet setters. Huh? And here in China, that's what. Well, Quite different. People are way more casual, right. way more Down you know, to earth. relaxed somehow, and that's what I like actually. And I didn't like, and I had the feeling I saw like this thing, this Hong Kong expat jet setter kind of thing happening. It happened quite recently. Before in Hong Kong, you know, it was people were not, you know, it was their first time being an expat. You know, it was still adventurous or something. Now if people come to Hong Kong like. You know, it's like a Saturday morning, you know, there is, okay, they moved to Hong Kong, they're like so happy, and then they're like proud of it and different. Before it was like kind of still of an adventure. Think about this, before internet and everything. Yeah. You would come to Hong Kong, although, you know, had like this kind of British uh, culture Flair. aspect, and, you know, you could find this and that. Well, before internet and all of this, it was still of uh, some some big adventure. No, no, it's so. So easy is it is it is it maybe huh? because uh, uh, I mean it's an expensive city, salaries are high, um, so it's like you think, oh, if I'm an expert in Hong Kong, I'm like I made it or something like that. Could be, yeah. could be, could be definitely. You know how how expensive it is. I mean, you have you lived in Hong Kong in the last uh, yeah, yeah ten yeah. years? So you have. Yeah, <laughs> I worked over there for two years. Right. Uh, my 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 first experience in the hotel in the restaurant side of hotel management, and um, the cost of living over there is so high, and the salaries were actually my salary maybe was so low <laughs> that uh, thank God I could actually just stay at my parents' place, who would still live right. over there. You know, right. thank God. Otherwise, I don't know where I would have <laughs> had to live. What, in, what, what is the average salary in Hong Kong? Uh, I guess it changed over the years, but I mean, what was it 10, 20 years ago and now? Is it, do you know? Uh, Not just hotels, I mean. And I, I think the minimum salary remains around, I, I don't, I don't mean 18? to say anything because I'm oh, sure I'm going really? to get wrong, but I want to say around 10,000K, yeah. uh, 10,000 uh, dollars. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Minimum, yeah, maybe. Sounds I remember I thought at one point of moving to Hong Kong a few years into my time here. I came in the year 2000. Mm. And um, my, the consulate general said, like, look, if you don't earn 40,000, yes. oh, yeah. don't come. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I if you're yeah. not making 40,000, Yeah, Hong Kong can it. be Stay nice if you have money. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's go back a little bit uh, to uh, back to your childhood. We talked about 97 and you, you kept studying at the French international school. And then, uh, um, then you were about to go to university. And, yep. and what happened? Uh, we know you're working for hotels. So how, how did this, where did you go to study? So I was never quite sure about what to do for as a as a job for a while. For it took me a long time, uh, and I think it was like when I was 17 or so that uh, like uh, a great family friend of mine. Uh, it was actually during SARS. Being very honest, during SARS, oh, I was sent back oh. to uh, two, three. 
Three? I'm not so sure. 2003, 2002, maybe. Two, two, two and three. Yeah, yeah. whatever. Yeah. But I was sent back to France and um, because of SARS. Because of SARS. Because my mother was like scared of the situation. We right. were in Hong Kong and Hong Kong was hit hard, right? Yeah. So we were sent back to 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 France and I finished my school year over there. So that's the longest time I spent in France totally. You know, How long back was to that? Back. You know, that was like four months. That's uh, the longest only. time you spent in France. Yeah, as in back to back, like yeah. not moving out of the French territory. Continuously, yeah. Uh, so then I spent that time w with uh, the, this family friend and uh, she taught me how to cook and I really loved it, you know. Ah. She, she's uh, Rosa Louis Olivier, or, uh, Rosa and Louis Olivier. Uh, <laughs> no, no, she's, she's uh, like my grandma actually for me and okay. uh, amazing. You know, she taught me how to school. She gave me this passion for the job. And then uh, that's why I chose hospitality. But getting back to your question on how precisely I got there. Uh, so at the French International School, one day we had this, this big, like classy guy coming in with a suit like this. And he gave us this whole speech about this famous international school like in Switzerland, Lausanne, uh, Ecole Hôtelière de Lausanne. This guy was awesome. He, he saw the, the school like crazy. And after his speech, I was like, whoa, I want to go to this school uh, like crazy. I want to be this guy. Yeah, uh, you <laughs> see? Kind of, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, my mother eventually told me if... You know, this is a top school. This is an expensive school. You, you need to it's have one good of the results. Best in the world. But if ever, if ever you, I was not a good, you know, a good student <laughs> back then. You know, but she said, if ever you manage to get your grades up, if ever you manage to work hard, and if ever they accept you, we'll figure out a way. So, well, I can't say I really worked <laughs> much harder. You know, <laughs> but I did. I somehow I did manage to get some some good results good enough at least to get in there and that's it you know? well, what's the uh, what is the qualification like oh, you really need to be it's 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 by so grades I mean do you yeah 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 grades grades and I guess you know there's somehow also some somehow of uh, uh, connections <laughs> I don't think could be connections, obviously, you don't know, but, uh, you know, you need to work to, to speak a couple of uh, foreign languages, for right, sure, you know, because things. hotels, you know, that's that's something which is so important. Right. You know? So me speaking French, English and Mandarin at that time, right. I'm sure that helped me, you know, I may not have had as, as higher grades as some others, but because of this background I had, you know, I'm sure that helped out also, you know. Mm. So any anyone else from the school actually went there? Yeah. Actually, yeah, there were two of my of my school, and uh, this guy was uh, Swiss, uh, and uh, yeah, he got there also, but he got kicked out. He was not good enough. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Sorry. so so you had the experience. You you again, you 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 wanted to become a hotelier. Yeah, hospitality. Yeah, you had experience in France with your uh, uh, grandma or yeah yeah like yeah. Grandma. You can say yeah. grandma. Yes, and and. Uh, what what else made you like you grew up in Hong Kong? I guess Hong Kong is a lot of hotels and a lot yeah. of tourists, a lot yeah. of tourists, a lot yeah. of hospitality, right? Did that, did that contribute? Yeah, oh, for sure. Do you have any like stories from hotels in Hong Kong growing up? I remember when I was a kid, you know, uh, growing up in Hong Kong at that time. That was maybe I must ha I was not ten years old, so that was before handover. Huh? So okay. it was before nineteen ninety seven. Huh? I remember my dad used to be very much on top of the local news, you know, and especially looking at the, the news, like what's happening in Macau. 
Uh -huh. And saying, you know, because over there back then the the mafia was like way worse than right now, you know. And they they <laughs> there were some shootouts in front of hotels, you know, in front of the casinos like in this Macau, from time yeah, to time. Yeah. And it, whenever there was a shootout like this, my father would rush and book a room in the precise hotel right away because he would knew he knew <laughs> that all the the room rates would be slashed like by tenfold or something you know <laughs> and so we would actually spend some crazy weekends in Waikau like this uh, but that's a phone call that's not booking.com yeah, yeah 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 back then there was no internet or nothing right. so you know <laughs> and then you had to look at that newspaper as in a paper newspaper to look at this kind of news you know so right <laughs> so really the crazy, prices you know? were went down because something happened in the yep. neighborhood so yep. your father yep. wanted to have the experience of that hotel at the shootout redu reduced price yeah, Basically. correct, you know? <laughs> yeah, that is uh, interesting. <laughs> if you want a cheap room, look for a shootout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So did you like Macau? You remember Macau from back then? You, oh, you've been there a lot. Uh, and I still, I liked Macau back then, and I still like Macau now. How and is I it? still think that eventually, I hope I may eventually go there to work. To work in Macau. Mm. Why, yeah, why, yeah. why do you like in Macau so much? Mm. I like the ambience over there, you know. The, the the city being built on casino. Casino is is very tricky. I did learn casino management also, you know. Uh, casino is um, how can I put it? It's uh, it's sad, but because pe some people may have like some issues with it, as in they cannot gambling. control their urges yes. in gambling, yeah. and that makes it sad, you know. Right. But for those who can actually, you know, control it, you know, give themselves some sort of uh, of uh, limit and everything. At the end, that's a great experience, you it's know. Well, you end right? up losing very often, but at the end, you end up having fun, you know. Yeah. Uh, the way I see it is you go there, like you go to any attraction park, you know, however, you, you with spend a budget. 50 with a budget. And you stop it yes, uh, yes, at some and you point, spend you know? the money, yeah. But a lot of people can control and it. And that, so that's the sad part of it, you know? But right. supposedly casinos are looking out for these people. And supposedly. whenever they see someone crying on their on, on the floor, you know, they're like, Sir, you need help or something? We can we can figure it out. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what my... my <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you will get you to another machine. No, that's right, not this kind yeah. of help we're proposing. So you know? We have Vaseline. Do you gamble? Do you go to Macau? I do. I you do. do. And I tend to win, actually. Which, which, casino? <laughs> which casino do you like the most? Uh, you know, the funny thing is my father working in Hong Kong. He was actually then the civil engineer, right? Okay. Uh, I don't think we actually mentioned it. Civil yet. engineer. But he was working as a civil engineer, working in big construction projects. And speaking of Macau, he was one of the many, many, many engineers involved in the project of the Venetian. The Venetian. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I go to Macau, now I always go to the Venetian. My dad built this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my dad is so much stronger than yours. That's <laughs> not. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. but that's always fun. Yeah. All right, good. So, guys, we're going to take a very, very short break and we'll be back with you and we're going to continue this very interesting chat with Ludovic. Okay, see you guys in a second. All right, guys, so we're back with Ludovic and we are going to start this section with a game. The yes. game is called This or That. So the idea is very simple, Ludovic. We're going to ask you a couple of choices mm. and you tell us what your choice is and okay. give us a little bit of an explanation based on, well, whatever reason you had for choosing. So, uh, Zev, why don't you begin? All right, first one. Uh, Cantonese or Mandarin? Which one you prefer? Oh, Mandarin. Mandarin, much easier to learn, much easier to speak. There's not like nine tones, uh, it's <laughs> just six. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, 
Although Cantonese does sound a little bit funnier, I think it's just easier to pronounce the the Mandarin. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and it's way more useful somehow. I thought there were and only. That's the one I I speak. So. That's the one I speak. Yes. <laughs> I thought there were only four tones in Mandarin. Is Four, and then the fifth one is the uh, natural one. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah you yeah. said six. I don't even count those anymore, you know? <laughs> and I try to speak fast enough not to for people not to pay attention on the tones I actually That's say. That's what people you know? tell me. That's the best advice they give me. Just yeah. speak fast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's true, actually. <laughs> All right. I'm going to give you a... I'm a car enthusiast, so I'm going to ask you a question. Well, I'm not a car enthusiast, so... But okay, anyway, you're ahead. French. So, Renault, Peugeot, or Citroën. Well, I'll say Citroën, actually. Citroën, because uh, we used to have this car, uh, there was this uh, Citroën, like this very famous car, uh, can't even say the name, I think, uh, no, I'm not a car enthusiast, but anyway, Citroën sounds like more of the my kind of thing, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah, there was this... Uh, Citroën, yeah. CV2. I forgot about the brand. Two yeah, That's only for that. Oh, definitely. But there's also this other one, which was kind of aerodynamic, like one of the first ah. models like this. I forgot the name of that car, you know, but very famous in France. Let's, let's uh, move on because Fernando <laughs> can talk about cars for the rest, the rest of this podcast. <laughs> and French. All right. All right. Next one is uh, one chai or Tim Chateau? Oh, one chai. One chai. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When you I was in Hong Kong, it was one chai all, all night long. It seems that it was like, oh, that area. Nah. I would go there, but not that often. For the, yeah, but definitely one chai. Definitely one chai. Right. I'm a one chai guy. Okay. One chai was the place that broke the one child policy. <laughs> <laughs> one, one chai. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, talking about your, your F&B experience, mm. what's, what's harder, working a restaurant that offers buffet or a la carte? It's two different concepts. Uh, I find it more satisfying the à la carte one because you usually have uh, less people to to handle, mm-hmm. as in less guests, and uh, you can spend more time with all guests to to speak with and to ensure like their proper their 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 satisfaction their experience. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. In terms of the logistics, in terms of logistics. Uh, I guess also easier to handle a um, à la carte restaurant, as in it's uh, much easier to... Uh, y- y- you don't have to handle a crowd the same way, you know? Mm-hmm. The thing is, um, buffet restaurant, uh, the, um, it's the trick thing is, you know, you have to handle like uh, some, some big numbers. Okay. Um, let me continue with another question. Um, you work with uh, hotels, right? What is better, to work at an international chain or a boutique hotel? Mm. So I think you, you meant to ask uh, in an international chain or a standalone hotel, as in not, not yeah. being owned by, uh, not being But managed by, by any international brand or anything. Um, Pros and cons both, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, pros for the international hotel is you know where you're going, you know. You have strict standards, you know. Yeah. And you have all these, these, you know, these standards which are very effective, which are given to you by the head office, and you just know that's the standard, that's how it has to go. That's pure and simple. Uh, but, you know, in a standalone hotel, then you have to, to be much more... Um, Self-reliant, re- you know, you have mm-hmm. you you have to to be the force to drive everyone by yourself. You know, you have to know what you want. You have to put up your standards by yourself, and uh, there's not going to be any any uh, head office control over it. So you know, uh, yeah. 
I see. Okay. Let me continue with uh, another question. Um, Bruce Lee or Jackie Chan? Oh, Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan will kick the Bruce Lee's ass. Huh, you know? <laughs> yeah, he'll pick up a chair and he'll do you know <laughs> things like Bruce Lee. He can't even do anything. About, Is it you know? because you are younger? What your your dad say? Uh, I don't know actually. Maybe he would say Bruce Lee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know where you're going. <laughs> Maybe he would say Bruce Lee, but I still think Jackie Chan would whoop uh, Bruce Lee's ass. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The next one. My question is: a uh, swimming pool or the beach? Uh, swimming pool, definitely. I hate sands in my in my feet. You know. Uh, you do. Yeah, 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 the yeah, chemicals yeah. in the swimming pool. I don't mind, you know, with what with the amount of cigarettes I smoke per day, with uh, like <laughs> my own bad lifestyle, I don't mind a little bit of chlor, uh, you know, so when I since swim. Since you know? say that, I'll ask another question: a smoking room or a non-smoking room? A non-smoking room, actually. Even though you smoke. Even <laughs> though I smoke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good Especially answer. Yeah, no, no, definitely, you know. Is it really complicated to to clean the smell of cigarettes in a room? Really? Well, yeah, 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 yeah. For because from you. Uh, you, for one thing, you don't try to clean it. You need to, you try to ensure that there's good enough ventilation, so you don't even need to clean it. You know, mm -hmm. and then also the, for instance, those ashtrays you would set up all over. You know, try to put uh, the the trick in the hotel industry is actually to put this coffee powder. You know, okay, in the ashtray. Like in the ashtray. So once you actually turn off, you 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 crush your butt inside this one. Um, the smell. The, it will like kill the cigarette right away, the, mm -hmm. the, all the ashes will turn off, and the, the coffee powder will actually absorb all of the smell. So it's the, it's the used coffee after yeah, the coffee yeah, is yeah. made. I've yeah, seen yeah, it in yeah. some coffee shops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's a trick, you know, very effective. All right. Do you have another question? You go. All right. I go for another one. That's a nice one. Dim sum or French toast? Mm. <laughs> Depends on how much I drank the night together the, the before day, you know. <laughs> if ever it's uh, on a on a bad, you know, hangover day, dim sum, oh, definitely. Fantastic. You know? <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Let me finish my my set of questions. Uh, in Hong Kong, taxi or subway? Oh, I like the subway in Hong Kong. <laughs> oh yeah, I like the subway in Hong Kong. Actually, I spent a lot of time in the subway, you know, moving around because we eventually we moved in. Um, in uh, on the Kowloon side and further and further, we eventually even lived in uh, what's the name uh, Sai Kung in Hong Kong. So that's quite far, you know. It's nice area. The yeah, yeah. But the the I mean the subway in Hong Kong is it's crazy clean, crazy efficient. You know, uh, f so when you know how on which stations you you need to change, uh, it's so effective. You know? It's really nice. I remember the first day I, I arrived in Hong Kong, um, and. Uh, Going into the subway, I like uh, what it's it's a, it's a lot of uh, mm, you know information. a lot of information. Yes, and I come from a country we don't have subways, um, mm. so yeah. I saw the subway in Paris, you know, <laughs> like way after I I were I was very much used to the subway in Hong Kong. Yeah, I went to Paris. I was like, "Oh my God, this is the third world or something." You know, <laughs> I could be Nigeria or something. Yes, you know, yes, yes. seriously, right. I was I was so shocked. You know. And the last one, uh, suits, uh, mm. tailor-made or just from the rack. Uh, I'm a big guy, so I need to have it. You know, kind of tailor-made. Tailor -made. Otherwise, you know. That's, but do you that's do you nice. do you uh, accept the call from the Indian guys and Sintatwe? Suit, 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 suit. Tailor-made, tailor-made. <laughs> 
I uh, I have to um, admit a little bit uh, ashamed that yeah I had a couple of suits done over there. Yeah. Also. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> no, no. Talk. I I don't have the cash to actually go for like so any big shops like this. And mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I think, you know, the you go to some big brand for a nice suit will definitely give you a nice piece of cloth, you know. But I don't think for the 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 difference in the amount spent. Is it, I don't think it works. The quality it. is not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We will, okay. we will get to much more about suits mm. when we talk more about hotels. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that was this or that. So, Ziv, let's continue talking about um, yeah, Ludovic's experience. Yeah. I wanted to ask, uh, I want to go back all the way and ask you, uh, you moved to Hong Kong when you were two months old. Mm. Uh, why? Why did your family move there? So, oh, to give a little 80s. bit of uh, to give a little bit of context. So that's my father who went there to work. So my father w uh, was sent there as an expat, but it was not even his first mission as an expat. Huh? Mm -hmm. uh, his first expat mission was uh, he when he was sent to Nigeria. I can't really say the date. I think that was 1980. That really sounds like a mission. You know? <laughs> Dude, that was the, the civil war over there. He told me some stories, you know, of, uh, I don't think any of us can actually figure out, you know, that was, that was a, a mess over there. Mm. So he was there for a couple of years. Uh, then uh, he went back to France, just real quick. And then he, his second mission as an expat, as I remember, is Iraq. Oh, wow. And that was during the, the first Gulf War. As an engineer. As an engineer. 1991, I think he I was guess, building some sort of bunkers mm -hmm. for Saddam Hussein at that time. Seriously, actually. I think there was some sort of like weird things. Yeah, was, yeah, he yeah. was a... Uh, okay. Yeah, 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 That's like a rabbit hole we could go. <laughs> That's a rabbit hole. Yeah. Completely new podcast. You know, can we call him? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I, you can ask, but I don't know much. You know, yeah. I think it's kind of secret. Over there, is he... Okay, so engineer, he went to many places, you're saying. You call yeah. it expert missions almost. Yeah, yeah, is it... Yeah. Uh, uh, there was not enough work in, in France? or do you, I don't know if you, if you know. Or was it more lucrative? No, it was, it was definitely more lucrative. And he, he... I think that's always what he wanted to do. Okay, you know? he was adventurous. And, and, and at this point, he knew also that... And same like now. And back then, it was even more. As in... Uh, if you dare to go on this kind of expat missions, then you usually have a, a kind of a short track on your career. You know, you, it usually you <coughs> you, you go mean? there, you you get some some experience uh, where you could not get back home. Uh, okay, mm -hmm. speaking for myself, more unique, mm, of course. Yeah, and then you know because you bring some sort of expertise and some sort of knowledge to some places where they don't have, so which they will. So you, you will end up doing some new things, some, some, some things which you would have to wait much longer if ever you would to stay back home to actually do this kind of job. I know if ever that's right. clear what I'm saying. Let me see. Oh. Uh, so the, the learning curve is right. faster, much faster in these foreign places, right, in this right, expat right, job right, right, than right. it is. Okay, okay I, understand. I think, and I think many people can relate to this. You know, same thing with me in my job right here, right, right. now. You know, right. if yes. ever I would think to stay, if ever I was to stay in France, like I'm 32 years old. Although I have like some some sweet experience in this and that, you know, I don't think uh, I would need to wait maybe 10 more years before getting to my actual position now, as in like departmental 
manager, you know, mm-hmm. you're overlooking right, two right. different restaurants. Right. You know? You're pretty young to uh, you move faster because of the experience. Yeah. The yeah, different. Yeah, yeah. And that was uh, that was the case back then. And I think that was even more the case right. as in there was way less people willing to move around. Mm-hmm. So, your, so your father did a few expert missions, uh, as you mm-hmm. said, and that's how eventually he eventually he ended got up in Hong Kong. Kong. And, but but you, you told us before <laughs> that uh, when in your childhood, you th- every year you thought you're going to go back to France. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, every yeah, year, yeah. yeah, I'm moving in the end of the year or yeah, something yeah, like yeah. Tell us yeah, a little yeah, bit yeah. about that. Why Why was that? <laughs> well, so as I said earlier, basically uh, we got to, to Hong Kong because my father was sent there. My mother eventually found a job, but it was really because my father had his job in Hong Kong that we stayed there. And uh, my father as a civil engineer, uh, he was just uh, hired on... Uh, on certain projects, you know, yeah, and his projects project based, yeah, yeah, yeah. And basically, when the project was was finished, uh, they maybe did not had anything else to do in in uh, afterwards. So uh, as a kid, I grew up in Hong Kong, thinking that you know every next year we would move out because that's what my father would say. He would say, you know, our project here is pretty much done. Uh, seems there's nothing much for us to do in the future, so we may actually go back to home. So go to, break to up friends, with your you know? girlfriend. <laughs> 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 yes. Uh, and uh, basically, fortunately, never happened. He kept on having some new guess, projects or things, and we stayed over there for 30 years. I guess after a few years, you're like, yeah, dad. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I would always believe him, but my friends were like, dude, okay, you say this every year. You yeah. know, we you're know not you're going, going anywhere. to stay here. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and your parents just moved back to France. Recently, uh, they moved back to Europe recently. To Europe, uh, sorry. But uh, my parents uh, moved to England. To England, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Are your father still doing uh, his work? Engineering? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay. he's getting crazy in England, actually. You know, he's getting a lot of too work? many English over there. You know? Ah, too <laughs> many British. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very <laughs> tough on him. Very, very. You French uh, and British. Okay, yeah, yeah. I don't know if we go into that. Alonso oh, Fonto. You, 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 you get me onto this. No problem. I can speak like for hours about you know how we, how I hate. This doesn't matter. If you are no? French in France or not, it's like that, or is it maybe even more uh, when you live in an expat yeah, with others? I had uh, I, I thought about this, and uh, is it maybe some sort of uh, I want I want to to uh, to show myself more as French because I didn't live more uh, that much in French, so in France, so that's why I I kind of have this uh, this uh, difficult relationship with the, right. the English, and now. Yeah. Looking at the actual situation with the, the England, yeah, Brexit. That <laughs> you know, French General de Gaulle, he was so right. We never should have let them in at the very beginning. <laughs> you know, they've been killing us, de- killing oh, this European is coming dream out from now. the beginning. You know? Yeah. No, yeah. no, no. But you know, at the end, I'm a very much pro-European also. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, it's just the, the the way the world is going out. You know. You see, like France by itself, 60 million inhabitants, as much as it's a wealthy country, is nothing compared to China, is nothing compared to US, is nothing compared even, to, you give it a couple of years, India will get there, uh, Brazil will get there, and you know, it's not like France, England, or even Germany, eventually, pff, right. it's nothing, you know? So we, we Europeans are just stronger together, you know? Right. And uh, it's, yeah, so European Union—that's the—that's the future for me. And uh, how would how would the Brexit affect your father if he's working right now in England? Uh, I don't think you know. Eventually, if any Brexit, if the Brexit really happens, and it will eventually, 
those people who, 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 there's many people who, even though whatever their job is in in Britain, you know, are still very valuable for Brit for for England, you know. Sure. No, so uh, I'm talking about my my father as an engineer over there. So yeah, he's valuable because he has uh, he brings some sort of knowledge. But I mean any other kind of people, and even I mean some low wages kind of work. You know, it's still like some sort of workforce that England needs. desperately needs. You know, mm -hmm. uh, because England, like any European uh, country, is kind of you know aging somehow. And so that's why the governments, uh, good thing, bad thing, that's a long debate, whatever. But we Europeans need this kind of force, you know, labor. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. Question in terms of, of, of being in European, your father being in England, and how, how do you prefer to get paid? I mean, how does your father get paid? Does he get paid in pounds, mm. in euros, in, in francs? Oh, I don't yeah. know. Well, uh, Frank's, Frank's no longer. Not, no, yeah, okay, yeah. no more Francs. Actually. <laughs> Swiss Francs. Francs. Swiss Francs. Yeah, well, he's not being paid in Swiss Francs. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's for sure. Speaking for myself, uh, when I chose to, when I was proposed to work here in Dongguan for this hotel, I asked to have my salary uh, based on a on a US dollar amount. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, That's totally different <coughs> continent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah you're yeah. talking about. And then, uh, but him, well, you know, my 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 father is like the old school expat, you know. As in, uh, he has a French con uh, co French contract, even though being expat. So basically, he still gets to pay his all. He he still gets to pay all of his retirement funds and everything right. in France. In France, you know, although never, uh, although not working in France, you know. Mm -hmm. And now, as an expat, especially if I, it's very hard to get this kind of deals, you know. Right. So, for instance, myself, you know, I I don't. You know, if I get back to France, I won't have any social right. benefits or anything right. because I'm completely cut off out, right. out of the system over mm -hmm. there. So he's like the old school and, you know. So I'm your father like is planning to one day retire in yeah, France. Yeah, yeah, in France. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about you? I have no clue. You have no clue. It's too <laughs> yeah. too early to say, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess eventually I'll have to actually go for some sort of private uh, retirement pension or something mm -hmm. where I have to put some cash in it. But What? What? When you okay, so you live in in the mainland here in Dongguan in China and before in Hong Kong. What when you when you meet Chinese people mm. and uh, they learn your French? What's this? What's the stereotype from Chinese people's side about French people? What, uh, what do you get? You romantic. must be so romantic. Romantic, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Paris. Always, you know. That's the first the first thing they always say. Oh, you must be so romantic. So and it like, must be no, good. That's romantic. It must all. be good with girls. Yeah, I guess, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That the, the blue eyes also help a lot, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the blue eyes, you know, that's, that's even better than being French, you know. Right. You must be so romantic. Cook me something. And what else? <laughs> <laughs> what else? What else? Anything else? Uh, no, romantic, you know, that's the main yeah, text, stereotype. Text, text, Seriously, yeah. you know, this is romantic. Yeah, romantic. Yeah, 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 yeah. And usually it does not go it's much interesting. further than I don't this, know. I, I get smart. Huh? For being Jewish. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Good with maths. <laughs> I don't want to tell what I get. <laughs> <laughs> we know what you get, Fernando. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, so all right, let's, let's talk a little bit more about your career, uh, mm. which is very interesting. Uh, uh, as you are a hotelier, you studied in Switzerland in a very famous school. And, okay, where did you work after that? How did you start your, your career in the hotel? Like, okay. the path? So... <clears throat> what was your first hotel job? My first hotel job when was I was working uh, in Geneva 
Geneva, the okay. Intercontinental of their rec- uh, yeah, uh, as a receptionist. Uh, yeah, I, at first when I started the career in hotel, I really wanted to do some sort of uh, more in the hotel business than in the restaurant business. Because from the beginning, I knew that you know the hotel industry as itself is a difficult business because it's it's very much completely uh, off schedule. Uh, <laughs> as in, yes. your 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 the busiest time of year is when everyone is on vacation. So mm-hmm. you know, Christmas, New Year, Easter, whatever. August. It's all, all so this is all over the world. It's the same, right? For hotels, yeah. It's it's long hours. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. In a suit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And uh, so my first. Then I I went for for when I worked over there in Switzerland I worked over there for a little while and uh, I got kind of uh, my my first experience was not the easiest one you know it was a little bit hard and at that point I was like okay I want to take a break I want to take a the gap year and travel a bit so I went right. to to China and travel like this for uh, for a little bit over six months that was amazing backpacking and backpacking yeah. in in the mainland. In mainland, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That was something you always planned, you wanted to do? I, I went backpacking in India for a year, Whoa. which was great, yeah, which I is very so. important for, for who, who I am now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, China... Backpacking was always something I wanted to do, you know, trying to do something, you know, trying to... I think that's, you know, that's... I don't know if ever you did it by yourself. I went with four friends and after two weeks I met a girl. <laughs> so I said bye bye friends, <laughs> and and that girl is how I came to China in the end. Oh really? Yeah. Oh yeah. So oh, I came oh. to China from India with a guitar on my back, long oh, hair. Seriously? <laughs> yes. So you know, it's all like it, it was meant to be. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. backpacking is very important. Did you backpack? I did backpack in the U.S., but the U.S. is not that much. Can yeah. be nice too. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Basically, yeah, yeah. Uh, motorcycle. Coast. No, 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 no. Just hitchhiking. Hitchhiking. Mm, That's yeah. cool. Very cool. Yeah. Risky, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you did it in China. Where, where, what kind of places you went to? So I started off in uh, Xinjiang. So Xinjiang? I took, oh, uh, basically okay. my plan was to to take just the train all over China. Uh, I had more or less a, a, I've an heard idea of what I wanted to do. You know, train. like the major cities where I wanted to go. But I had no schedule or anything. I just saw, okay, I told myself, like, you have seven months, more or less. You try to do whatever you want to within that time. There's there's this kind of cities. Like, I was like, okay, that's something cool I want to go to. And that's it. Boom. I just took the plane from Hong Kong, got landed in the middle of uh, Xinjiang in uh, Urumuchi. The funny thing, it was the golden week at that time. I didn't think about ah, this. October. And there were no hotels available. Nothing, <laughs> oh, you, you know. I got book. there, I was like, Whoa. You didn't book anything. You I didn't just book went. anything. <laughs> I spent six months over without booking a single room ahead. And that was amazing, you know. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That well, was so cool, actually. Well, just a side question. What did your parents think? Uh, I don't know. They they were they were happy. I know, yeah. but they were not. You know, I, again, you know, somehow I I speak Chinese. I lived in China for a while. I'm a big guy. You know, they were not that. You know, not and we all scared. know actually that Hong Kong is is kind of an, and I mean China is a safe place to travel. Very safe. It is. It, it is. is very safe. But There's uh, nothing which can happen. Xinjiang you know? had some issues, or at least it's on the news. I don't know if it yeah, was, well, but probably then. recently, not back but then. But still, back seven then, years, eight years ago. I mean, yeah, I guess there was already a little bit. Yeah, I had the yeah, same golden week. Experience uh, when I first got here, <laughs> ended up in Weiling, no hotels. And oh yeah, 
Yeah. It's crazy. It was, was crazy, bad. you know. Did did uh, uh, I thought I would sleep on the street for my first night out? There, like, are there oh. are there any restrictions to go to Xinjiang nowadays or? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I nowadays think so. there are yeah, restrictions, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not yeah, so yeah. easy. You cannot just yeah, 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 yeah. go there. Yeah. You need to get a permit. Like you need to get a permit to Tibet, for example. Mm. Okay, mm -hmm. like, like that. Like in Tibet, you need to go in a group, I believe, and mm -hmm. there need yep. to be a tour guide. Yes, you uh, cannot just uh, yeah, 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 wander yeah. the streets. Yeah. So you went to Xinjiang, which is where uh, the uh, the population is Chinese Muslim, mm. right? Mm. Is it how many? I mean, is that all of them are Muslims there? Uh, it's 50-50. 50-50? 50, 50. 50, 50. 50, 50. And what's the other 50? Hmm? What's the other 50? Agnostic or...? So, yeah, it's 50% uh, Han, 50% yeah. Uyghur. Han is uh, just a uh, common Chinese, Chinese ethnicity. Yeah. Chinese ethnicity, yes. Chinese culture. Yes. So to give a little bit of context, uh, uh, the Xinjiang was uh, conquered by, I believe that's the Qing dynasty, uh, like a couple of centuries ago, two or three centuries ago. So that's why the Han eventually said, okay, that belongs to the Chinese empire. So before it was uh, Ottoman, what was it? Uh, be uh. Before it was autonomous. It was autonomous as in it was like Uyghuristan. It was okay. a self-governed country. And then, um, so the, it, it was conquered by the Qing dynasty. And then it got to be autonomous again for a while. And then well, it, it got to be under the, the rule of Chinese. And then once uh, the, um, the the PCR actually got into power, they went over there and said, you know, you want to join us, join us uh, right. in this adventure? And uh, they, they first said yes, the Uyghur, and now, you know, there's more and more Han people living over there. Before, like 100 years ago, it was maybe 5% Han, 90% Uyghur, oh. now that's 50 50 So now it's more. To mm -hmm. say a little bit of the context. Right, so that's where you started your, your, your backpacking trip. Mm -hmm. That was amazing. All right. Amazing, like another planet over there. You mentioned something about wanting to be the only one. Yeah. No, you go this, <laughs> on these kind of quests, adventures. You're like, you want to do something special. Uh -huh. You want to be like, I, I, I wanted to have this once in a lifetime trip. And I hope that it would be like a once, uh, like uh, uh, something so special that, you know, I could, that I would be the only one to do, you know. So and you uh, saw any other foreigners there? Yeah. <laughs> I saw one over there that really ruined the whole thing. I was like, oh, god damn. I know. thought this was my lonely planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there were not many, though. There was not that many. Not many. There was not that you many. You saw just a couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wh what's, what's the one thing you remember from Xinjiang that was really good? The lamb skewers. Lamb skewers. <laughs> Fernando's <Yeah>. favorite. <laughs> I'm no. gonna, I'm gonna stand. I'm gonna open a Yang Rou Chuan stand somewhere. My dream uh, was to open like the Xinjiang restaurants, like the one here. Back home, I mean, oh, oh, you don't, amazing. you don't have them. You don't yeah. have them, right? Chinese the food is just are amazing, actually. Yes, mm -hmm. in mm. France, any? Oh, I'm sure actually that would actually work nicely. Also, you right. know, we have this lamb culture, no problem at all. People right. would eat it a lot. Right. But you know, <laughs> jokes aside, Xinjiang also is a wow. It's that's another planet. Uh, seriously, it's you get to see some some sceneries which are just. Wow, out of this world, you know. I went to to the to the to the um, border in next in between China and Kazakhstan. Over there, it's like you're like at three thousand meters up high in the mountain. Right. It's like semi-desertic. It's amazing, you know. Wow, it's sounds quite crazy. amazing. All right, so we will keep talking about your amazing trip and uh, your hotel career right after the break. Okay, guys, don't go anywhere. All right, guys, and we are back with Ludovic Ludo, That's and uh, we are going to go into our 
second game of this podcast, which is what's up with that? Now, Ludovic, what we are going to do is, well, Ziv has gone through your social media. And oh. he's picked a couple of pictures that he's going to show you. I would say that uh, uh, actually Ludo's social media is pretty much non-existent. Ha ha ha. I'm hidden, you but know. But I still have a couple of photos. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually the bad ones, actually. I mean, because you did uh, appear at some photos uh, in here, Don Juan. And, okay. uh, and also, you do have one photo on your uh, widget account that is your profile photo. That is a very interesting one. We kind of spoke about your uh, trip around China. I have mm. a feeling that it's uh, related. Yeah. This is the one. That's the one. Yeah, that's this that's looks the, that's my highest game in my life. I know. <laughs> that's the best from moment. That moment from that's that moment, from that moment onwards, I know it's down. all down. It's all down. You know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll never look as sexy. Doesn't as Doesn't look that like picture. the same person. Honestly. I have exactly the same kind of picture. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We all have beach. actually, and we all know now. That's that's I, I do, I do the have the, yeah. the top moment. You know. So yeah. this is like uh, uh, what seven? This is Xinjiang. That's Xinjiang. Look like that's the lake of Karakul. This is where they say, "Oh, romantic." Yeah, 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 yeah. They see. It is the blue eyes, you yeah. know, the beard, long hair. The Russell Crowe look. Yeah, the yeah. tan, yeah. <laughs> for, for my one-liner before to get a girl was, I showed this picture. The girls were like, oh, wow, that's yeah. so cool, you know? And I didn't know it needed to do much more, you know? <laughs> he just said a couple of lamb skewers before <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, that so, so this is a beautiful one. area. What's the name of this the lake? lake? The Lake oh. Karakul. Karakul. So okay. next to the Kazakhstan border. Okay. You know? How high was it? Like above 3,000 meters high. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, the amazing. You know, I stayed in a small yurt like this with the local inhabitants. Uh, they were like sheep herders or something. I bought this like a trip with uh, some sort of uh, travel agent. So not really like the pure adventure because it was all prepared. But, you know, the experience was there still. The Just experience, the you know, in the middle of nowhere. Uh, wow, that was yeah. something. Really. Looks beautiful, and I don't mean you, but... Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you can say, you can still yeah, say. But you know. Yeah, you can still have this moment in the future. You're yeah. still young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so the next picture uh, uh, photo that I have is this one. <laughs> As you see, someone in with a suit inside yep. the swimming yep. pool yep. here. What are you doing? Yes, well, what is that? This is the hotel you're working for now. What's That's the name? Right. The Dongchang International Hotel. Right. <laughs> And so that was uh, the DGFC, Dongcheng French Connection, uh, party. So right. that's basically all the Frenchies in Nongguan who, who actually come to <laughs> come our social to gathering events. Yeah. And uh, that was a party which we had, I think that was November last year, if, okay. I'm, if I'm correct. And so, uh, so it was a swimming pool party. And, you know, for the whole day, actually, everyone was trying to push me in the water or whatever. I said, the first one who does it, I throw him off the roof, you know. Yeah. <laughs> This and is a swimming pool on the roof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Rooftop swimming pool. Amazing right, place. Right. Really, really cool, actually. For those people who are listening to us on the podcast, what you actually see is a man in a suit in a pool. Yeah. <laughs> so how did that happen, man? So actually, <laughs> so for the whole night, actually, everyone tried to push me into the pool. So I knew yeah. eventually, you know, it's gonna happen. With, I didn't <laughs> want it to be a buzzkill. I knew I had to make it happen somehow. So the funny thing is on that same night, there was it was the Rugby World Cup grand final right, right so it was uh south africa england you know uh -huh. and me being french with my own with my uh, dear loving uh, england you know i <laughs> i i told my friends you know uh if ever england loses the game that's how i said it it's not that i wanted south africa to win i wanted <laughs> england to lose of course the deal was if england loses the game right then i'll jump into the pool 
So and then England lost, then I jumped uh, happily into the pool. You just jumped. Yeah, Nobody yeah. pushed you. Nobody pushed me. Right, I remember. I was there. <laughs> the <laughs> thing is, is as, I, as I saw the, the game and I knew like, okay, now that's really happening, I got ready. I, I removed all my, my telephone. My I removed yeah. all my, my things from my pockets. Kept the tie, kept the whole thing, kept the shoes also. Shoes which are now dead, you know. <laughs> But one, one thing though, I'm pretty sure that you would have ended up in the pool oh, yeah, even sure. if England oh, won, yeah, of, right? Of course, of course. You of know course. it's But going to happen. But that would have been a very different mood, you know. Yeah, this <laughs> sounds like a very, of course, France moment. <laughs> <laughs> of course, France, yeah. Yeah. France didn't win, but England lost. Yeah, so that big France win. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Losing, it's a French win. Cool. Okay, so that was What's Up With That with Ludovic. Okay, let's continue talking about your career. We were talking about... about right, we're talking about the traveling a bit, and then sure. you did Xinjiang, you traveled in China, you did your mm -hmm. backpacking experience, mm -hmm. which... Uh, Uh, for a few months, right? How many months? So that was a little bit over six months. Okay. Mm -hmm. Seven months, more or less. All right. You were sad to finish that? Oh, yeah, of course, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Then it was back to real life, you know. You have to find a job to eat. You have to, you know. So you, you went back to, to Hong Kong to your parents' right. Your parents' right, house. Right, right. Then you were trying to find a job. How, mm. how was that? What did you find? So it took me a while, actually, to get back to, uh, to find a job, obviously, huh? because uh, I did not have much working experience. I had some sort of high expectations in terms <laughs> of job. You know, I, wanted, I didn't want it to be a waiter. I didn't want it to be a receptionist or anything. I By thought, that you time, you, would, you did the reception only. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. before yeah, yeah. the in trip. In Switzerland, yeah. Right. Yeah, and at that time, when I got back, I was like, okay, now I speak like decent Chinese, right. fluent French, fluent English. I have some sort of education background or whatever. So although I'm lacking on the, on the, um, the professional experience, I did have some other uh, background, you know, which I hope I could actually make it work. Mm, so the hotel, like uh, what at, at that moment, I was still very much into working hotels as in the reception area. I could not find much. So eventually, uh, French connections, you know, I get to meet a couple of people. Uh, I met the Monsieur Jérôme Stubert, the, for, the, the former uh, general manager of the Novotel Century in Wan Chai, and that's where I ended up working. And the Novotel is a French? Uh, Novotel is a French brand. It yeah, be belongs Accor. to Accor, yeah. right? The, one of their brands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And quite big in Hong Kong. Uh, they have a, a few right? hotels. Yeah, yeah, they okay. have, like, I believe that's four ABs and at least three or four. Yeah, yeah, there's a Pullman also, yes. maybe now. So, mm. so you met the GM from that uh, yep. Novotel? Yep, yep. And yep. he was a French. He was French, and, uh, you know, we discussed a bit. At first, he did not consider my application for his own hotel. He was like, well, you have an interesting background and everything. So he tried to help me out, like, in some other hotels around uh, here and there. It did not work out. So eventually, I got back to him, and he said, you know what? Uh, if ever you're ready to work for minimum wage, and if ever you're ready to, you know, <laughs> Uh, and uh, you're, you're okay to work in the food and beverage, we may need, actually, some sort of... Uh, some people with your kind of language skills and background to, to help out. So that was my first experience in the food and beverage industry. I was like, uh, not quite assistant to the FNB manager, but uh, I was in the FNB admin, but very much in the floor, on the floor also, as in, you know, doing service table service. And are, there, are there many French uh, working in hotels in Hong Kong? Uh, in the FNB, more and more. But lately, I have the feeling there's plenty who came to open like some small restaurants, uh, mm -hmm. um, bigger, smaller. More than yeah, the yeah, working yeah. for hotels. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So you, so that's where Novotel. 
That was Novotel. How long you worked there? How was the experience? That was two years. It was a tough experience, being very honest. And the hotel was uh, already 15 years old. Uh, nice building, but uh, because it was an old hotel, you know, all the processes and all the the, the culture was like an uh, quite an old style of management, you know. Which Novotel was it? Uh, the one in one time. The one in one time. Right? Yeah, okay, on Lockhart so. Road, actually. Okay. Uh, very convenient for me. You know, one shy boy, very convenient for me, you know. But uh, yeah, the, it, it was a tough place because, you know, old structure, old management style. Uh, uh, I learned a good deal out of it, you know, that's very much. Of a, I learned on how to be very efficient with uh, low manpower and everything. So the good things, good, uh, good things to take from it. And uh, yeah. So from that, I worked over there for two years, and uh, I'll just jump to the next part, which is so much sexier, is when I looked for another job and I actually landed up in Maldives. Maldives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was actually, again, French connections, you know. Uh, I, I was looking for a job actively. I started to speak to, to friends here and there, and eventually I heard uh, that there was this hotel in Maldives looking for someone to handle a restaurant, and uh, that uh, my... My language skills uh, seem to be doing the cut, you know, because it seems like the new general manager of the hotel over there uh, was looking to, to build up the Chinese market mm. in their okay. hotel. Mm. So, yeah, so that's why I went there. So what was the job? Restaurant and bar manager over there, the Sea Grill and Sand Bar. Uh, amazing, amazing. Seriously, uh, paradise destination. Uh, great experience uh, the general manager very much uh, uh, helping, as in uh, he would have like 100% trust in me. Uh, I had any any ideas I had, he would just say, go ahead, you know, do Supportive. whatever you want. So the, the that's one of my best memories, as in a working experience, because after two years of working over there, you would not recognize the restaurant at all. You know, the, uh -huh. the whole thing completely changed, you know. I do hope for the better, I do think for the better, that was amazing. That was seriously what, what, cool. What What is the uh, the main thing? What is the main complaint you have in the F and B in hotels with from uh, guests? What's the main issues that? And are there different uh, between Chinese guests and foreigner guests? Do they have different complaints? Um, so the main complaints, I would say, usually it's always about uh, service speed. You know, people being a little bit, you know. Upset that the, the food takes a little bit time, that the beverage takes a little bit time, you know. So that's the, the regular complaint. So and it's like in other restaurants, not just hotels, I mm? guess. Yeah. It's I everywhere. Yeah, everywhere yeah, yeah. Okay. Obviously, that's everywhere. Uh, then, obviously, also, I have the feeling, and that's more of uh, because the, the modern culture or something, you know. Now people, they think that they, you know, they know about food. They know about their... their Ex food experts, you know. Yes. Sorry, but everybody's you know, a because foodie. You go to the restaurant once a week <laughs> that you actually can actually start to say anything about my right. food. Right. Still, people will start to think that they can criticize the way your chef cook without knowing anything how to cook themselves. And that's an I example. Huh? Well, I can send like one thousand examples about this. You know, people <laughs> saying, "Oh, the steak is not done properly. The steak is over salty, or whatever." You know, for every kind <laughs> but of. But isn't it? I mean, just to sorry for the language. To, to defend, <laughs> it's crazy. You know, to, 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 to be on the side of those people, isn't it like taste is a, is a very uh, subjective thing. It's a very oh, yeah. 
So that's not being on the side of their people, of these people. I mean, right. it's a very subjective thing. You don't like it? Ah, right? you mean... Okay, but I have 1,500 people sitting next to you who right. so say it's okay. Right. So who are you to say this, you right. know? Right. You're not happy, the, you, you mean they can away, say you know? it's not the right way. Yeah, yeah they, yeah. they can yeah. say... Yeah, I they don't, don't like, like it. They can say right. uh, it's not suitable to my right. taste, you're you know? Right. But they yes. can't say it's not good, you know? Right. Or yeah. uh, that is not done correctly because my yeah, only yeah, job yeah. in the F&B business it was a uh, bartender in a coffee shop and mm. the coffee was always either too hot or too cold or yeah. like it's not yeah mm. people are <laughs> never satisfied yes know? the mm. best thing is make it very hot and let people wait yeah <laughs> but people are not so reasonable <laughs> what about the customers um the chinese customer and the foreign customer is there a difference and what kind of difference do you can you notice i think chinese customers they don't complain much actually Not to your really? face. Seriously, seriously. Uh, when uh, especially no. when me not as a manager, you know, when I had when I whenever I had like Chinese guests, I guess, you know, the fact that I speak Chinese, you know, that I lived in China for so long, you know, I had always this the the Chinese guest, I was the I was a rock star in Maldives over Because there, you know. Because you could speak the language. Because I speak Chinese, you mm -hmm. know. And then eventually when I was in Maldives, the thing is we had up to 90% of our guests who were from China. Wow. Oh, and you don't know how crazy it is because we had, so it was maybe 200 guests per day over there. So that's 180 people. Yeah. And the thing is, there was just three of us speaking Chinese in the hotel. Oh huh? my God. There was me. There was like a Thai girl in the reception. You know, she, she could speak a few words, you know, and there was this Chinese trainee. And I can tell you, you know, Oh, the guests, they were coming to me to ask me any kind of questions, you know? They were like, so obviously, you know, and we, we had a good rapport, you know? And they were like, oh, that's so cool, actually. You're a Westerner speaking Chinese like this? That's so fun, you know? This was a, a rich Chinese, right? Because you said that the room per night was not cheap. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's the two for, again, context, 1,000 to 2,500 USD per night to stay in the kind of I have a question. I have seen advertise trips to Maldives for like 5,000 RMB. How does that happen? I mean, like, like, like literally, air tickets, hotel, uh, like three or four nights or whatever. Um, is it different islands, different hotels? Yeah, yeah, different different. So in Maldives, so you may know that it's, it's one of country islands. with like thousands of different islands. So mm -hmm. it's basically one island, one hotel. Yeah. Oh, and wow. so the the hotel <laughs> I was there was just two, 100 rooms, you know. Some other hotels, you know, would not be some nice it's bungalow like tiny, in the it's middle. It's like a tiny island. Yeah, yeah, oh, a wow. tiny island. The okay. one I was in was like 100 meter long, and uh, I think 150 meter. Well, so opposite wow. way around. 150 meters long, 100 meter wide. Wow. So like a, as a teardrop shape. You know? Wow. So basically, you could walk around the island within 20 minutes, you know. Wow. How do you uh, get away from people? <laughs> <laughs> you don't you get don't, away you from don't, people. You, don't. You, you lock yourself in your room, you know. Well, wow. Uh, no, wow. it's, yeah, that's, that was a little bit, that's the tough how, part how about often working did you, in Maldives, actually. Mm. How often did you go off the island? Uh, once a year. Once, once a year, you went off year. the island? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my yeah, yeah, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you were in you the same... Like Talking to yeah, Nelson, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, you know yeah, Nelson. Yeah. No, Wilson. <laughs> Wilson. Wilson. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and then you know the thing to know also is when I was working in Maldives, the longest time I I worked without taking a break, you know, is like as in working yeah. consecutively. Yeah. Uh, that was three months. Dear Lord. Without not any taking, day break. Not, not taking any day break, you know. But right. do you think what what else is there to do? There's nothing else to do. So basically, <laughs> doing this, doing this, I would also save all my weekends. Ah. 
accumulate, accumulate them. So whenever I was off the island, when I was off the island, once I took, I think that was 84 days of vacation. You oh, wow. that was Pay my vacation. vacation. I went back to France ah. for 84 days, <laughs> like close to three months also. Wow. So that nice. was cool also. That was cool. Okay, during the preparation, we were talking about some of the strange things that take place when you work in a hotel in Maldives. And it's basically, yeah. it, it's a very tiny island. So drinking water and all supplies need to come from somewhere else. In a boat. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so now every, I guess that's every Tuesday night for the rest of my life, you know, I'll be having the same thought is, oh, thank God, tomorrow I don't need to wake up at five o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> Because like when I was working in Maldives, every Wednesday mornings, five o'clock in the morning, we had to wake up, go to the pontoon and get and unload all the goods for the week ahead. Uh, from this the supply boat. So uh, we would actually spend from five o'clock in the morning up to 11 o'clock in the morning, just unloading the the, all those boxes from this supply boat, getting them to the storage area, uh, open them up, like store them properly in the storage and, you know, or the fridges or, you know, in the accounting for the paper or whatever, anything you can think about, obviously. And uh, yeah, it was it was crazy. We would be working like our asses off like every Wednesday morning for every week like this. Can you imagine that shopping list, man? No, <laughs> it's crazy. So that's why the purchasing manager over there, he Very has important. like a big job and he, he better not forget up to and sort or something, suffers. you know? <laughs> so also, like you mentioned before, like this is uh, where people go and pay a lot of money, top dollar. Uh, for a perfect experience, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. you as one of the people providing this experience, any 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 stories you have about that? Any what happened when you uh, have an issue when you when you don't uh, let's say when you're not up to par? Mm. Um, obviously, a lot of pressure because, uh, and that's something which uh, for which I I respect a lot. Uh, the my general manager at that time, he he was saying that. Uh, we were really providing an experience for our guests, you know, because people, they spend that much money. And it's not only the richest people who go there. It may be the actually people some save and people yeah. who save a shitload on their daily for me, life, it's a dream. You know, just to give themselves this kind of opportunity. And he said that's for these people, especially that you want to make sure that their experience is pristine and perfect, you know. And uh, so uh, I have this one memory of, you know, We were, we were getting slaughtered for a lunchtime. Now, uh, one day there was like 100 people in the restaurant. I had just two waiters, so we were running like crazy. Like the uh, tough moment. Things were going smoothly somehow, you know. People got their food on time. People were happy with the food. And uh, the general manager, he came and he asked me, okay, how's everything? I was like, yeah, a little bit tough, but we managed it all right. And he noticed a little bit of a spill of sauce on my shirt and he destroyed me. I bet that wasn't ketchup. <laughs> no, that was not, well, whatever sauce it was, yeah. you know, but he destroyed me. He say, how dare you actually don't change shirt like this, you know, this is ruining the whole paradise feeling of all these guests, you know, they should not actually have this kind of, they, they, when they see the whole scenery, they should see only perfection everywhere, you know. That's something uh, I got to be used to in the hotel industry, but that's definitely not my character at base you know and now i really i i really like this this way of looking at things you know nice. uh five star hotel is supposed to be perfection people pay a, a good amount to enjoy property right mm -hmm. so you are there for them 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly, right. exactly. So what did you do with the stain? <laughs> uh, uh, even How though did you I, I told my team, guys, you know, I'm being killed by the general manager. You stay over there. You keep on trying to handle the place. I'll just run to change my, my shirt wow. and I'm back. Yeah, yeah. is that important? Yeah. Well, there is tons I want to ask about the Maldives, but we don't have uh, too much time left. And let's move on to your next uh, uh, station after the Maldives. So why did you leave? I mean, you just wanted to move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two years yeah. in Maldives Two years is crazy. You know? <laughs> it's good enough, right? Just to, to, to say one last thing about Maldives. Usually people say in the industry, if ever you work in Maldives, if you stay less than six months, you're kind of... Uh, people, they say you're kind of weak, you know? You don't have the bones to stay longer. You know? Right. If you stay one year, you're normal. If you stay two years or more, you're kind of crazy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so that's the thing. So two years... Because, yeah, as, as you can imagine, you know, you don't step out of the island much, you know. You always stay with the same people always, mm. you know. It's a, it's a very restricted environment. It's amazing. But in French, you would say you would call you it a, a golden prison. Do you yeah. see people quit before they intend to? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I had a couple of expat friends who stayed there for two months and like said, no, that's, that's, for that, me. No, that's not yeah. for me. So you moved on to work where? I worked to, I moved to Dubai, actually. Uh -huh. I worked to Dubai. I went to work on Sofitel on the Palm. Sofitel. Nice. I, okay. I would say that was a shock, actually, because I moved from a 100 rooms hotel to a 1,000 rooms hotel. <laughs> uh, what was your position? A restaurant manager again. Restaurant, restaurant manager. Restaurant manager in the Moana restaurant. So seafood, like very high class uh, fine dining How seafood restaurant over there. How many tables? Uh, like around 60 tables. So mm -hmm. like a small, like kind of the same size as the one I was used to in Maldives. 200 more But uh, uh, way more busy because the hotel was like, for one thing, it was in the city. So we could have people from the city to come in. It was not just hotel guests. And then there were like 2,000 guests staying in the hotel. So the hotel, was the, the restaurant was basically every night full. Mm. But it was amazing. Seriously, great times. What kind of uh, customers were from? Uh, a lot of British, actually. You love them. No, you. yeah, yeah, I love them. You know? but, uh, but Dubai seems to be like uh, the new hype destination, especially in England. I have the feeling, you know, in uh, in in France also it's a hype destination. But uh, seems that I have the feeling that in England it's even more of a like the the new classy. Where uh, the new classy place to go to, you know. David Beckham has a home. Yeah, I guess so, you know. Anyway, I don't know the guy. So, <laughs> how long did you stay there? Uh, that was more like one year and a half. And you mentioned uh, earlier when we talked uh, that uh, this is like Dubai is like that place that looks good on a resume. Mm. Well, why is that? Um, because the hotel industry, five star hotel industry over there, is hyper competitive. Uh, you can. Mm -hmm. That's why also it's it's such a destination because there's, I don't know, I don't have the number, but ob easily over a hundred hotels, five star hotels, in Dubai City to uh, choose from. Huh? And yeah, yeah, yeah. So all hotels need to be on the top of uh, you know of all the the standards and everything. You know, so so the management over there is very tough, and but it's on in a good way because they all want to do it better than the other. Uh, if there's anything that, that I know, which is very little actually about, well, the Middle East and, and Dubai, is that there's a lot of eccentricity. Mm. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Did you ever get any eccentric requests from customers, things like that? What do you remember? Or what kind of eccentricities really surprised you from living there? Mm, I so see you. We, we can't really <laughs> talk too much about this, you know. There's <laughs> another disclosure uh, agreement. contract. No disclosure. No, you can't really... Uh, I never got any personal requests which were over the roof, you know, completely mm -hmm. crazy. But uh, for instance, we had once this uh, this guy uh, who wanted to actually hold a, a private party mm -hmm. uh, for his like him and his twenty friends or so, you know. Uh, and they ended up uh, renting the whole bar room, ballroom, yeah. so somewhere where you can basically sit one thousand people for twenty people. Yeah, for twenty people, <laughs> and he he got uh, a couple of girlfriends to come in. Uh, maybe a couple of hundreds of girlfriends to come in, you know, <laughs> and basically he drank. They for they partied, I think, for one week in there. You know, there oh, were wow. security <laughs> guards all over the places. No one could get close to wow. uh, the, this area. No one could see anything what was happening inside. And uh, yeah, they just drank up the whole hotel supply, everything. Wow. Like all the liquor was gone. You know, it's yeah, a I don't know the security cameras as well. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I tell you, you know, it was. The, the whole area was locked, you know, and there was like security guards every, everywhere. No one could see what was happening. This is like, uh, you're talking about like shakes, basically? Is it people from Middle Princes. Eastern people? No comments. No comments, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what, what, what is there to do in Dubai? Before you said that there was a 100 meter uh, on 150 meter island, you couldn't get mm. off. Now in Dubai, what, what's the thing? What did you do in your yeah. day off? Wow. So Dubai also quite hard, actually. I used... Uh, you know, I hotel actually hotel management and especially FNB takes a a good deal of your day. You know, uh, you don't get working a lot. Of time a lot. Off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I said that I started working this uh, fine dining uh, uh, seafood restaurant over there, but eventually, quite quick, I moved to the buffet restaurant over there with one thousand seats over. Huh? Cool. Uh, no, not what am I saying? There was 1,000 breakfasts over in the morning, but with only 500 seats in the restaurant. So that was you know, a lot of things. So a lot of work. And uh, yeah, I remember over there working from everyday work, working from 8 o'clock in the morning to 10, 11 every day. You know. but, but basically, you don't have uh, hotel, hotel uh, work, you don't have much time off. How people mm. cope with this? How people like you, your career in hotels, how do you cope with that? What do you... How do you unwind? How do you find the time to refuel? Mm. To recharge energy. Yeah, well, I, I, you know, it's actually at some point it's just a rhythm you get. Right. Mm. It's just a rhythm you get. And, you know, I, I can cope with it because I like, you know, when I was in Maldives, when I was in Dubai, even though I spent hours and hours, I was still very satisfied with my job, like taking care of my guests, making sure they had a great experience. That's always something which is very satisfying. Right, mm. right. And then uh, now you're working here in China, in the mainland, uh, mm. F&B director, mm. right? Is this something you think you'll do for many years, more to come in hotels oh, yeah, in the mainland? Yeah. I'm good in China. I love you're China. You're good in China. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, China is, as, as, as I said before, I grew up in Hong Kong. I've always been very comfortable in China. Uh, speaking Mandarin is amazing. Speaking of Dongguan, Dongguan, this place rocks, actually. If I, I guess you will agree with me. Dongguan yeah. is an amazing place. Right. So comfortable to live in. Like, it's not a huge city. We still have, like, the small right. community it's of It's the right size. It's amazing. And then the hotel where I am work, you know, like anywhere has its pros and cons, sure. you know. But 
amazing. So for me, definitely Hong Kong, well, Hong Kong, China, Macau, all these hotels. Area, oh yeah, hotels all the way. Oh, yeah, yeah. All, <laughs> all right, no problem. All right. Well, Ludovic, we want to thank you very, very much for well giving us some of your very busy time to talk to us oh, on this podcast. Taking your time off video. from not yeah. a lot of time off. Perfect <laughs> for me to say, oh, I'm so busy <laughs> like this. You know? yeah. And I'll hope you, my No, but really, thank you very video. much. We, we learned so much about you and uh, we hope that the people that are watching and listening really got to appreciate, um, well, an insight into the F&B and the hotel industry. Hour. Yeah, I sure. would love to actually. Thank so guys, well, that's it for today. Thank you very much. And remember, if you like our video, give it a thumbs up. And if you like the content of our channel, make sure to click the subscribe button. And when you do that, don't forget to hit the bell button to be yes. notified whenever there is a new video out. And well, don't forget to follow us in the social media posted down below. And well, that was another episode from, of course, China. Okay, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.